Word Lord. <coughs> Brahma Adayaha. Brahma Adayaha. Demigods like Brahma. Demigods like Brahma. Yet, yet whose? Whose? Krita. Krita. Activities. Activities. Setu. Setu. Religious rites. Religious rites. Palaha. Palaha. Observers. Observers. Yet, yet, one who is, one who is, karanam, karanam, the origin of, the origin of, vishvam, vishvam, the universe, the universe, idam, idam, this, this, cha, cha, also, also, maya, maya, material energy, material energy, agyakari, agyakari, order carrier, order carrier. Yasya, Yasya, whose, whose, Pishacha, Pishacha, devilish, devilish, Charya, Charya, activity, activity, Aho, Aho, oh my lord, oh my lord, Vibhumnaha, Vibhumnaha, of the great, of the great, Charitam, Charitam, character, character, Vidambanam, Vidambanam, simply invitation, simply invitation. Translation. Kashyapa Muni continues to glorify Lord Shiva. Demigods like Brahma also follow the religious rites observed by him. That's Lord Shiva. He is the controller of the material energy, which causes the creation of the material world. He is great. And therefore his devilish characteristics are simply imitations. Please repeat. Demigods like Brahma, Demigods like Brahma also follow the religious rites <coughs> observed by him. He is the controller of the material energy, which causes the creation of the material world. He is great, and therefore his devilish characteristics are simply imitation. That's Vidambanam, simply imitation. Srila Prabhupada's purport, Lord Shiva is the husband of Durga, the controller of the material energy. Durga is personified material energy, and Lord Shiva, being her husband, is the controller of the material energy. He is also the incarnation of the mode of ignorance, and one of the three deities representing the Supreme Lord. As his representative, Lord Shiva is identical with the Supreme Personality of Godhead. He is very great, and his renunciation of all material enjoyment is an ideal example of how one should be materially unattached. One should therefore follow in his footsteps and be unattached to matter, not imitate his common, uncommon acts, like drinking poison. I was born in the darkest ignorance and my spiritual master is opening my eyes with the torch of knowledge. I offer my respectful obeisances unto him. Lord Shiva has Three eyes, right? The third eye. Five. 
Yeah. So, if we have a third eye, that's because maybe in the womb, our mother took thalidomide. Remember thalidomide? <laughs> My God. A freak. Yeah. Lord Shiva's third eye is the eye of vision, enlightenment. So, um, I'd like to read the verse again because it's, there's a lot in there. Demigods like Brahma also follow the religious rites observed by him. So Lord Shiva, he's, he's greater than anybody in the universe. He's his own person, his own tattva. So he's a real, what do they say, role model, right? They, they follow what he follows, what does Krishna say, whatever. What is the verse? Means that whatever the great personalities do, the common man follows. Whatever example he sets by his behavior, all the world pursues. Yeah. Yeah. Just like today, people have noticed a rise of incivility. Because <laughs> it's coming from the top, right? Uh, even if you don't like a leader, or it, it, that person affects the atmosphere. So similarly, Lord Shiva, he although he appears to be devilish and uh, all kinds of you know, snake and ashes and the whole scene, he's actually Vaishnavanangatasha, but he's actually the topmost Vaishnav. So um, if you know that then uh, you follow his, uh, his, his, not his, uh, you don't imitate him, but you follow his uh, example of always being absorbed in Krishna. So Lord Shiva, it says here, the first sentence of the purport, Lord Shiva is the husband of Durga. He's the husband of the material energy. He's Krishna directly in touch with the material energy. Vishnu glances, that glance personified as Shiva. Shiva is the one who impregnates. He's carrying the souls into the material energy. Um, so that's why he's different from Krishna. The whole milk and yogurt we've been talking about. So he's, he's Maya's husband, whereas Krishna is the source. He's the father of all living beings. But when he's intimate with the material energy, that's, that's the guna avatar. He's, what does the prophet say? He's the incarnation of the mode of ignorance. That doesn't mean he is ignorant. If, he's, if he were ignorant, how he, could, could he control the material energy who nobody control, can control the material energy? Uh, this divine energy of mind, consisting of the three modes of material nature, is difficult to overcome. Nobody can overcome Durga. But he, Lord Shiva, is the husband of her, and therefore he is the controller. Uh, so that's interesting because nobody wants to be controlled, right? We all want to say we're free, but the more we declare that, the more entangled we are, the more we try to control. Uh, so when we're controlled, it's just a question of how to be controlled. Yeah, how to be controlled. We want to, it's like somebody, who was it? 
I forget what the context was or who said it, but somebody said, my father gave me the best piece of advice he ever gave anybody. And he said to me, this person said, uh, son, work for a good person. He didn't say, you know, uh, be in charge of everybody, but he said, work for a good person. Because he knew that most people will work for another, because that's the general way. Even in the Varnashram system, Brahmas, Chatris, Vaishyas, they're in a minority, and most people are the assistants to those uh, twice-born people. So work for a good person, because then you'll be taken care of. Okay, you're controlled, right? You're, you're the servant and that person's the master. But that's good, if you've got a good master. So, uh, yeah. Okay. So Shiva is the incarnation of ignorance. It's called Guna Avatar. He's the representative of Krishna. Just like we sing Sakshad Hari Tvena. So the spiritual master is the supreme personality of servitor Godhead. Qualitatively, same consciousness, same divine consciousness, but tiny. So, uh, and then the whole thing comes down to the last sentence in the purport. One should therefore follow in his, Lord Shiva's, footsteps and be unattached to matter. I mean, he's the controller of the material energy, he doesn't even have a house. Someone could say, what do you mean he's the controller? He's homeless. <laughs> no, that's his choice. That's his choice. And his service, because that's perfect. That's perfect. Uh, because, say, say a homeless person is a typical example of the mode of ignorance, typically. I mean, sometimes, I met people on book distribution, and they were very well-spoken, very well-educated, but then they revealed to me, I went through a period when I was homeless. This was in Hawaii, where you can be homeless and not die. <laughs> you can live off the fruits, <laughs> right? But I was actually homeless. And uh, gradually, I, you know, climbed out of it with the help of different social services and and Lord Shiva, and so it wasn't by choice though, but Lord Shiva's, uh, because Lord Shiva's not controlled by the karma that controls us, but this fellow's karma was such that he had to experience homelessness. So Lord Shiva, his service is to give shelter to all these uh, weird people, weird living entities. So he kind of appears like them, they can relate to him, he's one of us, you know, he's got, he looks unkempt and what have you, but... But he's actually so merciful that he's accepted the service of just uplifting the most fallen, of the most fallen, of the most fallen. So one should therefore follow in his footsteps. In other words, be attached to Krishna, not be attached to your material circumstance. Not imitate his uncommon acts, like drinking poison. So we don't imitate him. We don't also wander around as homeless people. You know, we want to be presentable and so people who... Uh, can, what do they call them, the opinion makers, the influencers. They'll take notice of what we're doing if we look presentable like that. So we can't imitate his uncommon acts like drinking poison. Now we've been hearing about this, drinking the ocean of poison. Uh, so, and Prabhupada, I looked it up in the Veda pace, he would, he would refer to this so many times. If you, if you put... Uh, Drink ocean, drink ocean poison, like in the advanced search. 
so many references in the books, in the conversations, in the morning walks. But it's been a long, long time since I actually read the Leela. You know when the last time was? When I indexed it <laughs> in 1976. Yeah, so I thought, wow, this is a good opportunity to revisit the Leela. So without further ado, I'm going to go back to, well, go up, but go to the reference where it actually happens. It's in the eighth canto. Lord Shiva saves the universe by drinking poison. It's really good. It's text 36 right to the end of the chapter, 21 verses. And it's really chock-a-block with Leela and lessons. So without further ado, let's get into it and, um, and invite reflections. <laughs> Questions or comments? <laughs> now, Vajesha Guru has made reflections to, because he's a great person, so everybody's imitating him now. Right? Let's any reflections? <laughs> what a great man does. <laughs> All right, Lawrence. So it starts, uh, well, it's, it's part of a whole larger picture demigods and the demons, but let's. Uh, go to the part, text 36, where Shukadev comes back in the, now the direct discourse with Shukadev to Parikshit. And text 36. Srila Shukadev Goswami continued, Lord Shiva is always benevolent, he's a well-wisher, toward all living entities. When he saw that the living entities were very much disturbed by the poison, well, I better go back and set a little context anyway. There's this whole uh, churning of the ocean of milk, and there's many dimensions to that. You know, the, the Lord in his Leela avatar is tortoise. He, he, he wanted his back scratched. <laughs> so, uh, as, below, as above, so below. When we want our back scratched, we buy a back scratcher, and we say, Prabhu, can you scratch my back? Or, or I just rub my back on posts. Do you do that? <laughs> It's a great soul that Kitanagri, their mother Kaulini, passed away. And sometimes you'd see her in the barn and she'd be just scratching her back. <laughs> and that's what the cows did too, you know, they scratched them. <laughs> or they scratch each other. Anyway, uh, so there was this churning of the milk, there was a motion of milk. And, uh, and so the tortoise was acting as a pivot, and Vasuki was the snake uh, to help turned, and uh, so the Lord was getting great pleasure from that, uh, to create all kinds of different living beings. This is part of the, the creation. And demons had been produced by then, and demigods, and right away they were, uh, you know, rivals. So uh, one of the things churned was poison. It wasn't really, it was, it was a poisoned ocean. It, it was an ocean of milk, it wasn't an ocean of poison, so, but it was Poison is also part of the creation. So, but it was disturbing. Uh, a lot of living entities who had been produced. So Lord Shiva, uh, who was there, he was, he's very compassionate. He's, um, what is it? Paradukaduki. He's, he's unhappy by the happiness of others to the nth power. So Lord Shiva is always benevolent toward all living entities, Shukadev says. When he saw that the living entities were very much disturbed by the poison that had been churned, there was nectar and poison. So that's the material world. Which was spreading everywhere. 
It's like you have these oil spills and then the slick just goes out everywhere, you know, and there's big disturbance. He was very compassionate. Thus he spoke to his eternal consort, Sati. There's another name of Parvati Durga. Sati as follows. Okay, so here we go. This is all Lord Shiva to the end. Lord Shiva said, My dear Bhavani, there's another one. That means the wife of Lord Shiva. My dear Bhavani, just see how all these living entities have been placed in danger because of the poison produced from the churning of the ocean of milk. It is my duty. Right away, he takes it as his duty. It is my duty to give protection and safety to all living entities struggling for existence. So Vaishnava also thinks like that, but he doesn't try to imitate Lord Shiva by drinking an ocean, by drinking a poisoned ocean. But we also, Prabhupada says, that we, we should be always thinking of how to do good for others. Para upukar, highest welfare work, Krishna consciousness. Certainly it is the duty of the master to protect his suffering dependents. So he's the one who's carried them all into the material world. He's the personified glance of Vishnu. And now they're having a hard time. So he wants to uh, relieve them of this poison. Uh, 39. People in general, being bewildered by the illusory energy of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, are always engaged in animosity toward one another. We've all come here to imitate Krishna, so we're all competing false gods. But, devo no, but devotees, even at the risk of their own temporary lives, try to save them. Okay, now let's read this little purport, because Prabhupada personifies the purport. Purport, this is the characteristic of a Vaishnava. Paradukkaduki. A Vaishnava is always unhappy to see the conditioned souls unhappy. Otherwise, he would have no business teaching them how to become happy. In materialistic life, people must certainly engage in activities of animosity. Materialistic life is therefore compared to samsara dava nala. It's fire, birth and death. A blazing forest fire that automatically takes place. Lord Shiva and his followers in the parampara system, not the ghosts and hobgoblins, but the one who actually following him is, a, is the greatest Vaishnav. In the parampara system, try to save people from this dangerous condition of materialistic life. This is the duty of devotees following the principles of Lord Shiva and belonging to the Rudra Sampradaya. And who's the Acharya? Nibarka. Nibarka, right. Yeah, or is it? No. No. Yeah, Nibarka is Kumaras. Yeah, it's... Um, <laughs> I forget. Uh, Vishnu Swami? Vishnu Swami, yeah. that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for giving us the wrong answer and the right answer. <laughs> Happy ending, right? <laughs> A blazing forest fire that automatically takes place. Okay, I mean, this is the duty of devotees, Rudra uh, Sampradaya. There are four Vaishnava Sampradayas, and the Rudra Sampradaya is one of them because. Lord Shiva, Rudra, is the best of the Vaishnavas, Vaishnavanam Yatashambhu. Indeed, as we shall see, Lord Shiva drank all the poison for the benefit of humanity. All right. Text 40. My dear gentle wife, Bhavani, when one performs benevolent activities for others, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Hari, 
is very pleased. So it's Krishna's pleased when we help others. And when the Lord is pleased, I am also pleased. Because he's so close to Krishna. Along with all other living creatures. Therefore, let me drink this poison for all the living entities may thus become happy because of me. He's telling his wife, I'm going to drink poison. So you, But she's not worried, as the next text reveals. Shukadeva Goswami continued. After informing Bhavani in this way, Lord Shiva began to drink the poison. And Bhavani, who knew perfectly well the capabilities of Lord Shiva, gave him her permission to do so. So, extraordinary personality. Somebody can drink a poisoned ocean, and a wife who has no problems about her husband drinking a poisoned ocean. So these are amazing personalities. Super Devas, Mahadev. The demigods, they would be afraid to drink poisoned ocean, but Lord Shiva, he's Mahadev. He's the topmost Deva. Therefore, Lord Shiva, who is dedicated to auspicious, benevolent work for humanity, compassionately took the whole quantity of poison in his palm and drank it. Little purport. Although there was such a great quantity of poison that it spread all over the universe, Lord Shiva had such great power that he reduced the poison to a small quantity so that he could hold it in his palm. So he somehow made it concentrate and he just took the whole thing. It must have been super. That's ultimate toxicity, right? All this poison just <laughs> concentrated in his pot. Because it would be convenient to sip it, right? Compassionately took the whole quantity in his palm and drank it. One should not try to imitate Lord Shiva. Lord Shiva can do whatever he likes. But those who try to imitate Lord Shiva by... Smoking ganja, here it is. This is the actual place where it happens. And Prabhupada refers to it all the time, maybe because a lot of people smoke ganja. It's the time and place, right? Uh, by smoking ganja and other poisonous things will certainly be killed because of such activities. Text 43, it just goes to 46, but it's really rich here. Oh yeah, 44 is really... Wow. 43, as if in defamation, this is interesting, as if in defamation, the poison born from the ocean of milk manifested its potency by marking Lord Shiva's neck with a bluish line. So that poison was so toxic, it was like it would become a symbol um, of how the poison was affecting Lord Shiva. But listen how it's turned around. I'll, I'll read that again. As if in defamation, the poison born from the ocean of milk manifested its potency by marking Lord Shiva's neck with a bluish line. What's the name of Lord Shiva? Nilakanta. Nilakanta. I wonder how that connects with Nalini Kanta, if it's the same. Must be a different grammatical spin on that. That line, however, is now accepted as an ornament of the Lord. It's not like he's now been disfigured by this poison, right? But it's like a badge of his heroism, that he was so compassionate 
that he can drink, and he can reduce the whole poisoned ocean to some concentrate in his palm. And then the only thing that happens is that his neck becomes a bluish line on the neck. But this is an ornament. This is a badge of his compassion, his heroism, his protection. Text 44. It is said that great personalities almost always accept voluntary suffering because of the suffering of people in general. This is considered the highest method of worshiping the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who is present in everyone's heart, taking on that uh, burden, that suffering. In Judeo-Christian culture, they worship Christ. The Lord died for our sins, was crucified on the cross. This is considered the highest method of worshiping the Supreme Personality of God when you sacrifice your life for others who is present in everyone's heart. Now this purport is rather extensive, but it's the only long one, and it's just coming right to the end. So I'm just going to read it, and maybe we'll stop and reflect. Purport, here is an explanation of how those engaged in activities for the welfare of others are very quickly recognized by the Supreme Personality of Godhead. The Lord says in Bhagavad Gita 1868-69, Ya idam paramangu yam madbhakti shabhidasyati. And then Prabhupada just quotes. Nachatasman, and the next one, 69. Nachatasman manusheshu kaschilme priyakritamaha. Prabhupada has dot dot dot, then he conflates the two. Quote One who preaches the message of Bhagavad Gita to my devotees is most dear to me. No one can excel him in satisfying me by worship. Unquote. There are different kinds of welfare activities in this material world, but the supreme welfare activity is the spreading of Krishna consciousness. Other welfare activities cannot be effective, for the laws of nature and the results of karma cannot be checked. It is by destiny or the laws of karma that one must suffer or enjoy. For instance, if one is given a court order, he must accept it, whether it brings suffering or profit. Similarly, everyone is under obligations to karma. And it's supposed to say it's, says it, a mistake there, and its reactions. No one can change this. Therefore, the Shastra says, <coughs> a verse, remember we were talking about this a few weeks ago. That's all proper quotes, but it's... The gist is, uh, those who are actually intelligent and philosophically inclined, they don't do anything, but uh, they don't do fruit of activities, which Brahmatam, from the, from the highest to the lowest, you can't really increase your happiness. You're chasing these things. But what do they do? They look for activities which are, are non-reactive, and they experience happiness, which uh, can't be attained by pursuing things up to heaven or down to the hellish planets. That's Narada Muni, preaching to the ass. So Prabhupada follows up, he says, one should endeavor for that which is never obtained by wandering up and down the universe as a result of the reactions of karma. Well, what is that? One should endeavor to become 
Krishna conscious. If one tries to spread Krishna consciousness all over the world, he should be understood to be performing the best welfare activity. <coughs> the Lord is automatically very pleased with him. If the Lord is pleased with him, what is left for him to achieve? If one has been recognized by the Lord, even if he does not ask the Lord for anything, the Lord who is within everyone supplies him whatever he wants. This is also confirmed in Bhagavad Gita, Teshaṁ nitya viyuktānaṁ yogakshemaṁ bhāvyaṁ Again, as stated here, tapyante lokatāpena sādhava prāyaśodhanāha The best welfare activity is raising people to the platform of Krishna consciousness, since the conditioned souls are suffering only for want of Krishna consciousness. That's one of the great secrets of life, right? That's why they're suffering. The CDC, the Center for Disease Control, will never stop disease. And no matter what platform a politician has, he'll never stop people from protesting. Like in France now, all the people are protesting. Ah, yeah. The real thing is, we don't know how to think and, and speak and behave in such a way that we don't have to come back here anymore. The Lord himself also comes to mitigate the suffering of humanity. Famous verse, let's all say, Yada yada hitamasya granir bhavati bharatam abhyuktanam bhatarmasya tadatmanam srujamyaham paritranaya sadhunam vinashaya chadushkritam dharma samstapanartaya sambhavami yuge yuge Quote, Whenever and wherever there is a decline in religious practice of descendant of Bharat and a predominant rise of irreligion, at that time I descend myself. To deliver the pious and to annihilate the miscreants as well as to re-establish the principles of religion, I advent myself millennium after millennium. Sambhavami Yuge Yuge. Where is that? Gita 4, 7, and 8. That's the one verse that everybody in India knows. <laughs> Right? It's all school kids. Yeah, that one too. Yeah. All the Shastras conclude, therefore, that spreading the Krishna consciousness movement is the best welfare activity in the world. Okay, and then one more line in that purport. Prabhupada finishes with Because of the ultimate benefit this bestows upon people in general. The Lord very quickly recognizes such service performed by a devotee. So if we're connected with that, that mission of the Lord, then he's so pleased. And then, um, let's see, I'm just trying to, who's this? Okay, this is Shubhidev. He finishes out with text 45 and 46, and not until the last verse, uh, yeah, do you get... Um, I'll just read. Upon hearing of this act, Lord Shiva, drinking the poisoned ocean, everyone, including Bhavani, the daughter of Maharaj Daksha, Lord Brahma, Lord Vishnu, and the people in general, very highly praised this deed performed by Lord Shiva, who was worshipped by the demigods and who bestows benedictions upon the people. So you can't judge a book by its cover, right? Lord Shiva might look bizarre to the un, 
educated eye, but he's doing the highest welfare work. And then finally, Sugardev says, scorpions, cobras, poisonous drugs, and other animals whose bites are poisonous took the opportunity to drink whatever little poison had fallen and scattered from Lord Shiva's hand while he was drinking. So that's why these species are so venomous, because they got just a little bit of that concentrated poison. And that's what uh, they are till this day. They're full of poison. Purport, mosquitoes, jackals, mosquitoes too. Mosquitoes? Yeah, they, you, can, you can die of cerebral malaria. Mosquitoes, jackals. I didn't know jackals were poison. Yeah. If they bite, yeah. Rabbies. Rabbies, oh, rabbit, yeah, the dogs. Yeah. Dog, then it says dogs. Mosquitoes, jackals, dog. Let's see the Sanskrit. What's the difference here? Vrishchika, uh, hmm. scorpions. Ahi, cobras. Visha oshadhya, poisonous drugs. Danda, shukha, and animals whose bites are poisonous. Oh, and probably just unpacks it. It doesn't say specifically, but probably. And varieties of dandashuka, or animals whose bites are poisonous, drank the poison of the Samudra Mantana, the churned ocean, since it was available after it fell from the palms of Lord Shiva. So you can trace back these venomous creatures back to this Lila. Everything is in, uh, in cosmic scale in the Lila. Uh, Yes, thus end the Bhaktivedanta purports of the 8th canto, 7th chapter of the Srimad Bhagavatam entitled, Lord Shiva saves the universe by drinking poison. So we can't imitate him, and that's how we, how we do it. And that's, uh, you know, that's another big theme, the difference between imitation and following. Uh, and the more uh, purified and qualified we become by practicing Krishna consciousness, the more we can... Uh, the more we, we do become qualified to do extraordinary things. So it's, uh, uh, it's, a, it's a real, um, what? Sometimes a line you don't know. Can I do this? Or I may imitate it. So it's always best to consult. <laughs> okay, we see, I see a, a reflection in the shape of a finger <laughs> or a question or a comment. There you go. So we'll stop there. Prabhu. All right. Um, it's going to be interesting, but... And the wife just, knows what's no, going on. it's just in my head. <laughs> Therefore, she's laughing. Think about it. Um, okay, so... I don't smoke. I've never smoked. Just putting it out there. You guys don't get the wrong idea. But... Oh, that kind of smoke. What about just the regular... Ganja! It's interesting that Prabhupada says ganja is a poisonous drug mm -hmm. that kills people. And now it's legal many places. It's never killed a single person, and it's actually medicinal. So I'm curious as to why mm. he claims that it's poisonous, and he compares it to other toxic poisonous drugs. Mm -hmm. Well, I can speak from personal experience that... It may, I mean, I don't know whether 
marijuana in the USA? No, they said, they say, okay. So, okay, we'll just take that for argument's sake. But it really, if you take it, then it really makes you stupid. Not like, a lot like, <laughs> it does. It's not like milk that refines the brain tissue. Yeah. It really dulls you. And maybe that's why it's good for some people because they can't feel the pain as much, either, either mental or physical. So uh, it's, it definitely poisoned your consciousness in that sense. It makes you less and less eligible to really um, seriously take up spiritual life. And, and before Dero makes a comment, I'm going to... I think I did tell you the story of uh, Shruti Kirti and Paramahansa Swami uh, in Hawaii. Shruti Kirti tells this story. Did you remember what I told mm -hmm. Okay, so, uh, so Shruti Kirti Prabhu and Paramahansa Maharaj, they were good friends and they traveled a lot together as, as the servant and secretary. Shruti Kirti was a servant and Paramahansa was a secretary. So before he became a devotee, Paramahansa, his name was Paul or something. He was a very, you know, he was very pure. He didn't, he never had a girlfriend or anything, but his weakness was marijuana. So he was, he was always, you know, indulging in the weed. And then he and his his friend uh, became who became Parivrajakacharya uh, Maharaj. They were traveling a lot together, and then Prabhupada called for Paramahansa to be his secretary, and that was also at a time when Trudakirti was a servant. So, um, Prabhupada knew, I guess just from talking to Paramahansa, that he had that weakness before he came to Krishna consciousness. And so, uh, they were both with Prabhupada in Prabhupada's darshan room in Hawaii, and, uh, well, <laughs> Shruti Kirti was massaging Srila Prabhupada. And, uh, and Shruti Kirti tells how there was something about Paramahansa. Whenever he would see Paramahansa walking, he would laugh. Because Paramahansa had this way of walking that was kind of like a prance. He would, he would prance. But he wasn't proud. You know, usually the word prance means that you know, somebody's proud, he's strutting, he's prancing, or something like that. But he just had this funny way about him. And so, so Shruti Kirti was a Vasajik Prabhupada, and then Paramahansa walked in, but Prabhupada didn't see that because of the position, their position. But Shruti Kirti, in all of <laughs> Shruti Kirti said he just started to break out in laughter uncontrollably, and he couldn't properly massage Prabhupada because he was just like hysterically laughing. But Prabhupada just stayed grave. And finally he said, uh, so what is, what is funny? What is, what is humorous? You know, something like that. And Sri said, I don't know what it is, Prabhupada, but whenever I see Paramahansa, I just, I can't help but laugh. He's so funny. And then Prabhupada said, yes, laughing is, is a Vaishnava activity. <laughs> Vaishnava activity. And then... <laughs> The Prabhupada was approving of the, the relationship, you know, laughter. <laughs> and then, uh, but then, mysteriously, Prabhupada starts telling a story. And it didn't appear to be connected to the laughter. And the story was, we've heard how uh, Gormahan Day would accommodate these 
imitation sadhus and always feed these people who were just dressing as swamis. And then, uh, but they weren't, but he was just magnanimous like that. And uh, so, and then he would say, uh, and that's where Prabhupada, as we know, got his bad opinion of so-called sadhus, because they were so-called sadhus. And, and then, because Prabhupada as a boy would see them go out after filling their bellies and then just lighting up, either bidi or, or uh, ganja or something, uh, like that. And But they were posing as swamis, right? So there was a swami, his swami, his disciple who he had given sannyas. So he told this story of his father doing that, but then Prabhupada sort of connected the two things, because Prabhupada knew he had been, so Prabhupada said, but we don't do that, do we, Paramahansa? We don't smoke ganja. And so Paramahansa, he got, he got, he kind of turned all the colors of the rainbow, the good rainbows in Hawaii. <laughs> no, Srila Prabhupada, we don't do that. So Srila was telling the story as an example of how brilliantly Prabhupada could connect things for the benefit of his disciple, you know, just tell a story that didn't appear to be connected, but then it connected. <laughs> but, yeah. um, so, yeah, so for your comment, um, it really, for my, if you never, if you had smoked, you'd probably know why, you know, from a spiritual point of view of why um, it's poison, because it poisons you, it puts you, it puts you in, a, in, a, in a greater illusion, puts you more of an illusion inside the illusion. Feed your head, that was one of the mantras, you know, from the 60s, gray slip, uh, white rabbit, right? Feed your head, it's just the opposite. You're not feeding your head, you're, you're just putting yourself in more down the rabbit hole of <laughs> greater illusion. Dear Prabhu. The word uh, intoxication yes. contains the word toxic, yes. which means poison. Yeah. Uh, so intoxication, if you look at the Latin root of the word, it means poison oneself. Yeah. But many um, powerful intoxicants are also used as medicines. Mm -hmm. For example, Gomohande. Well, I was, was going to say, for example, heroin or opium mm -hmm. is a very powerful yes. intoxicant. Yeah. Not at all conducive to spiritual life, but it's also a very important medicine mm -hmm. uh, for <coughs> treating people with pain, severe pain, yes. and things like that. Morphine. Um, <coughs> so, <coughs> it is a medicine. It does have value yeah. medically, yeah. but it's not to be taken right. for its intoxicating effects recreationally, right. and that degrades one into the mode of ignorance. Yeah, and exactly. Lord Shiva drank the ocean of poison when the ocean was churned by the demigods and demons, and some poison was produced, and they were all, it was a very powerful poison. Everybody was afraid to death of it. Yeah. It's like some acid. Lord Shiva drank it and kept it within his throat. Mm -hmm. and this became known as Nilakanta. And Prabhupada says, so Lord Shiva, he can do that and he's not affected. Right. But his followers try to take advantage of that and take intoxication yeah. for a different reason. Mm -hmm. yeah. So um, intoxication is always prohibited in spiritual life. And even though there may be medicinal values mm -hmm. in different substances, uh, 
That doesn't mean that you know devotees should smoke pot. And some people even quite try to quote Bhagavad Gita, and I am the healing herb. Yeah, man, Krishna's the herb. So cool. That's a Rastafari answer, whatever. But. But actually, it's, it's very clear that one should not indulge in any type of intoxicants. And it's sometimes one may have to take some medicine. Yeah. That is an, alcohol. An, a lot of alcohol and Ayurvedic medicine. And that is an intoxicant, but if it's taken for, for medicinal yeah. purposes right. to heal a condition or whatever, then you know, then one may not be able to avoid that. Right. If it's prescribed by a physician and it's for a bona fide medical purpose. And what is it? Utility is the principle. It's use. Why? Why it's use? It's, yeah, Prabhupada told us. My father, he when he had gout, it was so painful he had to take a little opium just to relieve. Make me give. I did see Prabhu first. I feel like I'm in grade school, I'm having my hmm? my hand up with my other arm. Oh. So I feel like I'm in grade school. Remember that when you used to have to hold up your your, hand, huh? your other arm because you had to hold it up so long. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. No, I'm just, um, no, I was thinking like you know, when Prabhupada said something. You can't always just take it on a physical platform. Like Prabhupada said, you know, going to school is like a slaughterhouse. Yeah, right. Um, and then, but it's not like you're actually going in there and someone's chopping your head off. It's a slaughterhouse because um, it degrades the consciousness. It, it, it breeds atheism. Right. And then um, you can't when you can't engage in the spiritual life then you're going to suffer repeatedly mm-hmm. in the cycle of birth and death. So similarly, if someone's engaged in you know, getting intoxicated on that platform of ignorance, they can't come up to the spiritual platform, which means right. repeated suffering and birth and death. Spirituals, they're killing their chances for Krishna consciousness, escaping birth and death. Thank you. Yes? I have seen person who is a ganja addict because Nepal is a place where Lord Sikha is received a lot and uh, this also is used as a medicine when we have our domestic animal like cow or goat and we have some, Pain. Ask, yeah, some uh-huh. stomach problem for them we fry ganja and feed them they get cured mm-hmm. and, but if one regularly takes ganja he slowly loses his weights his weight. Yeah, weight, and then he becomes very, very skinny, and then ulcer and cancer and dies. Yeah, I've seen that in, in connection with the, the dissolute hippie, say. And when they smoke ganja, they see everyone very big. They don't fight. But when you drink, you see everybody small. And you like <laughs> <laughs> wow. One when he smoke ganja, he becomes very, very peaceful and just. Respect everybody. Peace and love. Because you see everyone very big. (laughs) (laughs) You're drinking alcohol, you see everyone very tiny and anything. That's funny. (laughs) I totally agree with what you're saying about how, um, you know, intoxicants obviously cloud our ability, or, you know, obviously they don't allow us to make any kind of spiritual advancement. Um, I guess my, my question was, and you made a good point, where it's not so much that we should take a literal. Yeah. Because there are no claims, there's zero claims about ganja killing anyone. So that was my point. My point is, we're making it out to be this this drug that's killing people. It's not. So that was my point. Yes. But from from the perspective that you gave, 
It's totally killing people. It's not just killing right um, now. Yeah. But if you regularly take yeah. that affect uh, mm. even physically with the speakers, psycho you know, consciousness wise. And the mode of ignorance spirals down, that's why they call it a gateway drug. A what? Drug? Not a gateway, gateway drug. Gateway. Because when you engage in Oh, I see, yeah. It, it leads to other things. It can. Because you tend to, that culture, you can hang out in the drug culture, yeah, it leads to other stuff very often. And once you have, it's like you need it tomorrow also. You cannot just say, oh, mm. I don't know. It's become habit. Yeah. You definitely need it. You become habit. Yeah. Our habit is Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama. That's our all-purpose drug intoxication. <laughs> our Oshadi medicine. Yeah. Okay, it's 9 uh, a.m. Time for breakfast. And tonight we'll hear Mother Sundamani's trip to India. Yeah. 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 Yeah.